once verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. You're listening to episode 265 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Recorded live on Thursday, April 7th, 2016, and available for download or streaming on Monday, April 11th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Kenna. I'm Elijah. And as always, in the recording studio is our chief audio engineer, Winters. Hello, folks. And we want to wish you a belated happy first contact day. Hopefully you enjoyed our little April Fool's episode last week as well. So, Elijah, what do we have in store this week? This week we're trekking out a new product to help with your cosplay. Or just so you can look stellarly fabulous. We also talk about the fan-favorite film sequel that almost was. In Star Trek Online news, Mark and Kenna talk about the latest going-ons in Star Trek Online including how you can improve your space Barbie. Later, Cookie and I look at what's on screen and review the Next Generation episode, Data Lore. Then, Jake entices us to open our wallets for some awesome Trek products in his segment titled The Promenade. And as always, before we wrap the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, we want to hear from you, so join in on the discussion via one of our social media channels. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can also leave us a comment on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com, or even leave us a voicemail using SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget on our homepage. This is the last week for you to take our very first listener survey on PriorityOnePodcast.com. We would very much appreciate it if you would spare just a few minutes of your day to help us better understand what you like or what you don't like about the show. And a huge thanks to those of you who have already taken the time to complete the survey. We've had a great number of you do it already, and we're so very grateful. Your feedback, as always, is invaluable to us. Also, this is just in. The podcast awards are coming up soon. Woohoo! Listener nominations will be opening on the 15th of April for two weeks, and we'd be grateful if you'd take a few minutes to nominate us. We were a finalist last year in both the Best Produced and Gaming categories, and we want to have another crack at the title. We'll have more details in upcoming episodes of Priority One Podcast. We were nominated two years in a row for Best Produced and Best Gaming. Oh, wow. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. That's right. Two, two years, years in a row. That's right. And finally, thanks to all of our Patreon supporters, old and new, who make this show possible from week to week. Because with your help, we can keep improving the quality and the content of this show. We're coming up with Star Trek Las Vegas in August, as well as the New York Star Trek convention, and we can use your help to make sure that we can produce as much content as possible. So please visit us at patreon.com forward slash priority one and find out about all the cool perks we have to offer. Speaking of Patreon perks, this week on Priority One After Hours. All right, so let me get this straight. So this film takes place between episode three and episode four, correct? And now they know how to, you know, you stick a vacuum cleaner down the back of my pants and then money comes out of it. (laughs) 
from where money comes from. <laughs> I would like to see them do stuff like without the force. All right, no. so if I wanted to start with the animated series, I have to start with Clone Wars? Yeah. No. No. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I would. No. There's a consensus there. No, you're all fired. No, you don't need to start with Clone Wars. <laughs> this unscripted, uncensored, and unedited recording is available exclusively to our Patreon subscribers. Now, let's check out some of the latest news in the world of Star Trek. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Cosmetics company MAC has teased a new Star Trek-inspired makeup collection in celebration of the 50th anniversary. The 25-piece collection features four color palettes inspired by some of Trek's most famous women, Seven of Nine, Deanna Troy, Uhura, and Vina in her form as an Orion slave girl. We've been teased with really only one shot of what the collection will look like, but the artwork suggests that it will focus on four color palettes, orange and silver for Seven, purple and blue for Troy, gold and maybe red for Uhura, and green and maybe gold or black for Vina. It will feature lipsticks and lip gloss, eyeshadows and nail polish, and probably a few other items. I'm thinking maybe some bronzer or eyeliner will work their way in there. And I'm going to guess that there will be glitter. I really feel that Star Trek needs glitter for that real Starfield-inspired look. Sadly, it looks like the debut of this collection is a long way off still. It'll be available online at the end of August and in stores from the 1st of September. If you're desperate, though, you can get your hands on it early. Mac will be hosting a one-day preview sale at their store in San Diego's Gaslamp District on the 21st of July. Great for anyone attending San Diego Comic-Con and just in time for the premiere of Beyond on July 22nd. So, Elijah, which color lipstick do you think you'll be picking up? So I don't think I'm going to be picking up any of them, and that's mostly because I don't know much about MAC uh, and their quality of their makeup, because when I do put on makeup, I like for it to be quality stuff. And yes, I do put on makeup because I have to perform on stage. So I don't know. I'd have to, I, want, I kind of want to read the reviews on this and see how well it holds up, right? Because here's the thing about, about makeup, right? If you're just going out and you're not going to be active, mostly any makeup will do the trick generally but if you're gonna go out or you're gonna be active or you're gonna be under hot lights or you're gonna be in cosplay at a convention and there's gonna be a lot of body heat you want something that's gonna hold and that's not going to and it's gonna not only that but protect you from shine and and from sweat and just kind of dripping off your face so I don't know much about Mac I've never used it for um, the stage performances or even when I go to conventions or whatnot hopefully it's good quality yeah I don't think this is gonna be really like your cosplay makeup I mean I think though they're, they're, if they was gonna be out in time for you know the major conventions you know maybe you'd see people sporting it but I think it's more Mac's a pretty good range generally speaking but it's like it's more like you'd wear it out on a date to go and see Beyond rather than actually doing yourself up for cosplay. So is the is the Orion Slave Girl makeup, is it just... So are these accent palettes or are, is this foundation and accent palettes? Uh, I'm not sure if there's any foundation. What, what they have shown in the promotional material, is like, which is like one shot, literally, is there's yeah. some sort of green glittery nail polish. There's some sort of gold uh, glittery lip like gloss and sort of orangey lipstick, some eyeshadow. So it's, it's 
normal lips, like it's normal makeup, uh, okay, just okay. with those inspired palettes is what it is. So it, we're not talking a special range of cosplay stuff. So it's, yeah, it's not going to be it's not going to be green foundation that'll hold. No, this is, it's really more accentual highlights. Exactly. Like a blush or an eyeliner or an eyeshadow. Yeah. It's kind of, it's promotional tie-in stuff. Right, right, right. Uh, It should be wearable. I think what they'll do is it'll be totally wearable stuff just with uh, a bit of a twist. Looks like it'll be marketed with the uh, 50th, you know, the uh, 50th Delta and all that design. And it'll just be a bit of fun, really. I I take that back. I have used Mac before for stage and I don't like it. Okay. So as long as you're not going on stage, it's probably worth checking out the collection. Moving on. All right. So how often is a spoof or parody film considered by fans to be better than some of the actual franchise films? This is the case with the film Galaxy Quest. If you haven't already seen this movie starring Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, and Alan Rickman, then I hate to tell you, you just simply aren't a Star Trek fan. This film embodies not only the spirit of Trek, but the chemistry we all assume the original series cast of Star Trek might have had behind the scenes. It's a lighthearted film that might poke some fun at our Trek, but Trek fans agree. It's one of the best Star Trek films ever. So go watch it. I'll wait. It's on Netflix. Go. Over the last several months, rumors were circulating around that we were going to see a revival of some sorts either in a new limited series on Amazon or a sequel. According to Geek.com, Tim Allen was quoted as writing, Galaxy Quest is really close to being resurrected in a very creative way, end quote. Unfortunately, in January, we lost Alan Rickman, who is known for his various roles, including Snape in Harry Potter and Dr. Lazarus, the Spock parody in Galaxy Quest. Consequently, it looks like all of the development on the project has stopped. According to Sam Rockwell, who was also a co-star on Galaxy Quest, in an interview on the Nerdist podcast, said, quote, They were going to do a sequel on Amazon. We were ready to sign up. And then Alan Rickman passed away, and Tim Allen wasn't available. He has a show, and everybody's schedule was all weird. It was going to shoot, like, right now. And how do you fill that void of Alan Rickman? That's a hard void to fill, end quote. So, unfortunately, it doesn't look like we will get any form of sequel to this film. Hashtag sad panda. No, seriously, if you haven't watched Galaxy Quest, go watch it. It's, it, Galaxy Quest is to Star Trek what Spaceballs is to Star Wars, except Galaxy Quest is far more smarter. So that brings us to this week's community question. What's your favorite quote from Galaxy Quest? Now... Let's get Mark in on the discussion and find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome to STO News, where Mark and I look at the big news of the week from Star Trek Online. First off, I would like to say a big thank you to all of you who put up with our April Fool's episode last week. Obviously, we will not be having Steering from the Bridge or a built-in DPS parser with Season 11.5. Aww. But onto the real news of the week, and it's all about Space Barbie. Mark, why don't you lead us off? Sure. Have you always wanted to include your Borg set looks into your ship, but had gear that was better suited? 
like the look of something but not the stats? Fear no more. Incoming with Season 11.5 will be visual slots to ships, and from playing around with it in Tribble, it's quite straightforward to use. In the ship screen, there will be a new tab for visuals where you can sort your favourite piece of gear that changes the visual appearance of your ship. So far, this is only deflector, impulse and shields. Now, these will only override visual appearance and not add to the stats in your ship. Override only, no stats. Let's make that perfectly clear right now. So, do we have a favourite piece of gear that changes your ship? Will we make use of the system? Will this be part of something bigger? We know Cryptic like to test the waters with something technical and on its reception. Thoughts? Yeah, what's the point? I think this is the testing of something bigger. I think this is the possibly the beginnings of ship costume slots. I would agree with you that it's part of something bigger. It's got to be, because I really don't see the point. First of all, it doesn't cover everything, because there are other things that make changes to the... Yeah, like assimilated console, uh, sorry, assimilated module, and it just, it's messy, it doesn't make sense from an immersion point of view, I don't get it, and I don't like it. But I could see that maybe it's leading into something a little bit bigger, and I don't know, who knows, but... I don't know. I don't like it. I probably won't use it. Winters? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of on the fence with this one. I think I would prefer if they spent a little bit more time working on something else. It, it's kind of, you know, oh yeah, it's nice to have, but it's not necessary. It's Space Barbie. You know, we all have other things that we'd like them to work on. And I think there's a lot more stuff that's a lot more important than this. Wait, now, to be fair, like we did just mention this might be part of something that is bigger that's coming down the line so I'm willing to give them a little bit of slack on that I don't mind but I think there's a lot of unanswered things like where does your stuff go is it like an inventory slot or does it sit in your inventory or can you pick it out of the bank or how does that work it's like a normal deflector and impulse and shield slot you just put them in and then you can take them back out when you need them Okay, so they don't they don't sit in your inventory. No, they, they sit, don't sit like in like it's like a it's like a second ship on your. Okay, I I need to go and test it out. I think is what I need to do, but I just don't see the point. I think if okay, for instance, here's an example. For a very long time, I ran my Guardian cruiser with uh, the Riemann shields. You know, oh, the like cool the like shields. honeycomb ones. A lot of people do, and I do as well because it kind of gives you that kind of almost like a holographic look to the like an iridescent look I did like it but if that's not what I'm using I, it feels wrong for me to put that effect on my ship and I, that's the reason that I don't think I'll use it I'll, in fact I actually don't run with any visuals on <laughs> that's, but that's just me but I, I especially would not run with visuals that are on a piece of gear that I'm not using I think that just seems weird yeah I don't know I would use it for the Riemann shields but my only worry about this is, does this mean there's more visual stuff coming? I mean, well, is that a worry? Well, you know, are they just going to put in visual gear for the sake of visual gear? Are we going to start seeing stuff like that in the sea store? Like, change your ship to look like Hello Kitty, you know, something random like that. You know, just as going going from going to like an extreme point, obviously. That actually does come into what I wanted to talk about today, which is Space Barbie. Okay, because we. 
we refer rather flippantly a lot of cases to quote unquote space Barbie. And for anyone listening who doesn't know what we mean by space Barbie, it's just this practice of spending an awful lot of time, you know, playing with your costumes and customizing your character, customizing your starship. A lot of people joke that it's the true endgame of Star Trek Online. And I wanted to just talk through a couple of questions because we kind of, like I said, we just sort of refer to it flippantly, but we actually don't ever talk about the value that it adds to the game. And I thought we could just go around and what do you guys see as the value of having all these customization options? Do you use any of the customization options, either in ground or in space? And what does it bring to the game for you? For me personally, I don't, I'm assuming like you're talking about, let's say the Riemann shield, the assimilated module, that sort of stuff. The customization you can do on your ship. Well, or, you know, the ship tailor, what do they call it? Where you can select the different parts for your ship. That counts as well. It's not a big thing for me. It just isn't. It's not, I mean, you're not alone with uh, running with no visuals on your ship. I do the very same. I don't run with uh, any of the visuals on on my ship, and uh, I, I know there's people out there that do. I know a lot of people, and you know they love the Borg set, and you know they have to have uh, the assimilated module and the deflector and all that stuff, and they they love you know changing the look of their ship with that gear. But for me, no, not really interested in it whatsoever. Do you pay attention to? the costumes that your character wears either either in the ship or on the ground as well do you do you pay attention do you spend time customizing them or is it just you kind of throw on whatever is standard and i'm get going? guilty for the ground ones i will admit that but because most of the time it's for giggles you know it doesn't necessarily matter but the, the fact that we before we all went and did mighty morphin priority one rangers were just an absolute hoot to me so it's nice we have that option but in terms of immersion and things nah yeah, I'm. Uh, I do mess around with costumes a little bit for ground. Absolutely nothing for space. I like my ship to be authentic. I don't like messing with the look. Not a fan of a of a pink bird of prey, then. No, not a fan of that. But ground stuff, yeah. I've I've got uh, whatever it is. I think it's uh, six or seven costume slots on uh, ground and I've you know I've done up a couple of different costumes and that's it I never go near it again I have the costumes and if I'm doing something or I want to switch I have the option to do it and that's it they're made and I never go back near them again I'm actually very similar to that so I have a bunch of different costumes but they're all for a purpose so I have my diplomatic uniform I have my P1 fleet uniform I have my normal battle gear which is when I'm normally playing it's just what I normally wear and I've got my club wear which I hardly ever use I'll say but I just I think it's quite cool looking I've got my winter outfit because you can't I just you can't run around in your battle gear and Q's winter wonderland and then I have I do have one that currently I think is sort of pink power ranger-ish but that's more just for playing around and making videos and things when it comes to my ship I do spend a lot of time in the ship customization area, but I agree with you, Winters, that I like my ships to be authentic. They're they're customized, so I will pick the hull and the nacelles and the all the bits and pieces that look right to me. I like the 
the material to be the right material. I like dark ships. So though, so I go and I, I do that kind of customization. And that is actually quite important to me because it makes me feel as though I've sort of imprinted on my character and it's unique to me, even in space. And so that it is important to me. And I'm glad that we actually can do it. I guess the next question is, do we need as much of it as we have? And I ask that question because we've had a couple of new big updates. So this uh, visuals slots has come out. Um, it wasn't that long ago that we had the expanded color palette for the ship customization as well. So you can have a pink Klingon Bird of Prey if you want. Uh, there's been uh, ship emotes that have come out. And I don't know. I think the, the reaction has been mixed. Me personally, I think it's a bit too much. I think, uh, just like what I said earlier, you know, it's it's nice to have. For me, it doesn't mean a whole lot. But I'm sure, in fact, I, I know there are players out there that it does mean a lot to. But for me, it's just a nice to have. It's, and because it's a nice to have, uh, you know, I would prefer them to spend more time on, you know, uh, remastering the DS9 map, for example, you know, like that would be higher up in the priorities, um, but still on a visual basis, you know, maybe, I don't know if there's any link to those two on the development side, but, you know, that would be more important than this for me. I will say one good advantage that having a very broad palette of things that you can do in Space Barbie is that for people like me who enjoy being sort of creative with the game engine, uh, doing videos, or like we did our Mighty Morphin Power Rangers sort of photo shoot. Do you remember with the ships? And we tried to get them to line up to be a Zord. That was difficult. But we couldn't have done that effectively, well, as effectively as we did, without being able to go in there and edit the color palettes uh, and, and do that sort of thing to the ship. So I suppose there are advantages to it being there. It does ruin your immersion somewhat when you're wandering around Earth space dock and there's like all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Or, you know, you're off in the Badlands battle zone and I mean, I keep bringing up the pink Klingon bird of prey, but really no one is ever going to be in a pink bird of prey. It just shouldn't shouldn't happen. And it is a little bit distracting, but I don't know, I guess it's a trade-off. There might be a Klingon out there who has to feel fabulous every now and again. You know that would be a great spin-off like novel series, <laughs> but I just don't 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 see that happening. But uh, yeah, I guess there are advantages. Like STO is um, really does stand out with uh, the tailor. Uh, I'm on about now for characters for uh, customizing actual characters. The the tailor and the customization options that it has are absolutely fantastic. You know, and I'm talking about now the small nitty gritty details of you know like doing the face and the body and all that sort of stuff. It is absolutely, I'd say, probably the best hands down that I've ever seen in any game that I've ever played. It is by far the best one. Uh, but the ship one, I, I've already said, you know, I just do it authentically and that's it. I, I, you know, I don't use any of the extra visuals or stuff like that. I think it's just a nice to have. So I do believe that would bring us to this week's community question. Will you be making use of the new ship visual slots, and what will you be using? Moving swiftly on to patch notes, which are relatively short this week, as you would expect before an update, but there were updates and changes that you'll want to hear about. 
the Federation tutorial has resolved some issues all around. Good for it. Maybe it's been to the Priority One Councillor as well. Resolved an issue where some unique items, primarily duty officers, would be deleted when map transferring while an item was in the overflow bag and the agony modulator. Powers affected by the agony modulator should no longer cause damage in social areas like Earth Space Dock and should no longer cause damage to the captain's own bridge officers. The trait will no longer apply to friends or summoned companions. As always, we'll leave a link to the patch notes in the show notes for this episode at prior to podcast.com forward slash PO. Again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from PWE and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs, here's the latest comments pulled from the Twitterverse. Jeremy Randall at Borticus Crypti tweeted, Every breath you take is a figurative description of how my players interact with me. Do you know, I read that and I just thought, okay, I have to think what all the lyrics are. It's basically people stalking you, isn't it? Yeah. It's like the, yeah. one of the ultimate oh, stalker it. songs. Yeah. And Al Rivera at Captain Gecko tweeted, Star Trek Ultimate Voyage was epic. Must see. My favourite was the ritual fight music played while Kirk and Spock fight. Hashtag ST Ultimate Voyage. Sounds like it was really good. I'm jealous. Yeah. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. Just a friendly reminder that season 11.5 launches on Tuesday the 12th of April. Make sure to get in there and let us know what you think. While we're on this, I just want to uh, make a note and let everyone know because season 11.5, if you're listening to this on Monday, is coming tomorrow. If you haven't already gone on to Tribble, you really should go on to Tribble and replicate your build since you can do the respects for free there now. And get ahead of the game before the skill tree gets wiped on holodeck and all you have to do is do up your skill tree the way you want to do it and go into some piece of content like a red alert a story mission whatever and use that as a baseline if it's underperforming from what you currently have on holodeck go and do another respec and when you have it right write it down or you know, make a copy of it somewhere for uh, Tuesday when season 11.5 hits. Or if you're like me, just live dangerously and just, you know, yep. throw your skills wherever. But that's that's <laughs> a good piece of uh, advice to give people. Yeah, no, that is a very good piece of advice. Or adding in a third option, you can do like me and leave it for a little while and wait till someone better and smarter comes along and tells you what to do. <laughs> now let's check in with Cookie and Elijah and see what's on screen. On screen. Hello, Captains. I'm Cookie. And I'm Elijah. And this week we're reviewing Data Lore, written by Robert Lewin, Maurice Hurley, and Gene Roddenberry, and directed by Rob Bowman. This episode first aired January 18th, 1988. In this episode, the Enterprise makes a detour for Data. They stop at the planet Omicron Theta, where they originally found Data over 20 years ago. Only this time, the planet has been destroyed, and Geordi's visor discovers a secret passage leading to the discovery of Data's brother, Lore. Dun dun dun! If a backstabbing brother wasn't enough, the Enterprise gets a chance at collecting crystal shards for that epic Mark XIV loot. Here are some fun facts. The character of Lore was originally supposed to be a female android and a love interest for Data. Brent Spiner was the one who suggested the evil twin idea. It actually took four different people to play Data and Lore. The director, Rob Bowman, commented, quote, 
The episode was a learning experience, and there were a lot of discussions with Rick Berman and Bob Justman. In a sense of work technique, there are many visual effects and split screens. It was technically a difficult show to do, and we had an extra day to shoot it because of that. I thought it came off excellently. End quote. He also commented on Brent Spiner's performance, quote, his ability to delineate those brothers. I felt like I had the best seat in the house saying action and watching him do it. I remember that and I remember feeling really good during the shoot and also giggling at Brent's dexterity. He was just unbelievable, end quote. Well, I agree with you there, Rob Bowman. I think he is also unbelievable. This was the last episode of Star Trek written by Gene Roddenberry before his death on October 24th, 1991. Oh. You know, sad. Well, we know you love this episode. Well, any episode with extra Brent Spiner is a winner in my book. It was fun to see him use normal facial expressions and act more human for a change. Although he was a bad guy, I still liked it. Seeing Data's reaction to Lore was really interesting because I think he really wanted to have a brother so badly, but at the same time, Lore told him that he was superior and that Data was inferior, so I think it was a bittersweet thing. And I know Data doesn't have feelings, technically, but if you watch Brothers, which is the episode where both Data and Lore are summoned back to Dr. Sung's lair, and it's revealed that Lore was the one that was flawed, you can tell the data was deeply affected by that false information for a long time. Because we're in season one now, and he finally finds out that it's not true in season four, and it's almost like he was haunted by it all that time, like he kept repeating it. Do you remember that? When he was like, what did, what did he say? He was like, I am not inferior to lore, or something like that. He just kept repeating it. So knowing- Yeah, yeah, I remember Yeah, that. it was like, he was like distraught by that. So knowing that and watching this episode when he's lied to, I feel bad for him. I, I don't know why he didn't figure out that everything that Lore said was a lie, especially after he tried to destroy the Enterprise, but for whatever reason, he continued to believe it for that long. Wait, wait, wait a second. Hold on. You're not going to say anything about Data or Lore's bare buttocks? What? What do you mean? I didn't... You, did you miss it? Did you miss There's da- what? his bare buttocks? There's no, no, I there, I would have noticed that. Nope, you didn't. So in the moment that they discover Data, I'm sorry, Lore, when they discover Lore, and all that smoke billows out of that weird containment unit, uh-huh. he's in pieces, and one of the pieces is Wait, his, it's disembodied? Yeah. That's creepy. No, I didn't it's notice that. But it's his butt. It's is the it torso. for real his? Is down. it for real Brent Spiner's butt, though? I don't. I mean, I, I don't know if they molded it. Maybe they did a sculpt of it. Maybe I don't know. I don't. Who knows? Oh my god! Maybe I need to can, find that it, out. I know, and then you can buy it from an auction. <laughs> oh my hang god. it on your wall, and whenever you're stressed, <laughs> you just reach up and squeeze. Oh my god! <laughs> That's something that I think Kenna would like to do too, based on last week's episode. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to what I was saying. Regarding destroying the Enterprise, Wesley was the only one who caught on to anything. And of course, no one listens to him again. No one even asks him about why he feels the way he does. They even reprimand him when he speaks up. This crew is usually pretty good about listening to everyone's concerns, regardless of how off the wall they are. And I've always admired that about this show. But this time they failed. 
At least he got to call them out on it before he was kicked off the bridge. On the other hand, without their prejudice against him, or against children in general, or whatever, we wouldn't have been provided with the famous line that we've all grown to love. Shut up, Wesley. So I guess it was all worth it. By the way, Will Wheaton does not like it when people say that to him. He tweeted out back in January of 2016, and I quote, New rule. I'm officially over people saying, shut up, Wesley, to me, even in jest. From now on, I'm insta-blocking anyone who does that. And that was on Twitter. So it's like, dang, he really does not like it. So if anybody goes to a convention to meet him, do not say that to him. He does not like it. I mean, he sort of gets an apology from Picard at the very end when he tells him to go back to the bridge. I mean, that was the sorry, not sorry kind of apology. Yeah, I would have wanted like an official, you were right, I was wrong, but I guess that's too much to ask. So generally, I think that this is a very well-written episode. Although you mentioned before that they originally intended for Data to find a female opposite, what if, what if she was a villain instead? What if they had done a sort of Batman-Catwoman kind of ongoing relationship? Hashtag robot sex! Wait, but if they were both created by Dr. Nooney and Sung, wouldn't they be brother and sister, though? Isn't that kind of gross? Yeah, but they could have maybe... he. Uh, maybe it wasn't created by Nooney no, and No, it would have been. been Come on, there's nobody uh, else. All right, fine, He's the only fine. one. I guess. That's, all right. Maybe that's why they didn't go with that. And they went with Probably. the brothers. Yeah. Probably. I mean, she still could have been evil. Yeah. That would have been interesting. But I see why someone like Brent Spiner would push for this type of character development. For starters, it's very difficult as an actor to refrain from emoting, even in the slightest sense. And Brent Spiner is an excellent example of this struggle. Compare this episode's data with data from episodes two or three. It's not the same. Brent seemed to finally manage to control himself, his body language, his breathing, even his face twitches and eyes. He's starting to become the android we all know and remember. So for Brent to request a story like this was him really just dying to be able to find ways of emoting as an actor. Just being able to relax and play human. I'm sure that playing emotionless would have grown tiresome after a while, especially after seven years. Yeah, and when he's ever asked about it, what was it like, you know, to play an android... He only, usually he just says, well, you just I just went to work and just said the lines. <laughs> he right. never really has much to say about no. the experience because it's just no. you just say the lines straight faced. And I remember I was asked to do that. I was asked to read a few lines, emotionless, robotic. And it was really hard for me. It was just really hard to, be, to just become monotone, a little monotone, tone it back and just be emotionless and and i can only imagine having to do that especially in a new series where even the character is still being developed but i guess you get used to it and and brent spiner did great at, at not showing emotion as far as the story goes i think that there's clearly an underlying theme here that blood does not necessarily mean family now you could argue that data and lore are blood brothers right they they're cut from the same cloth and yet lore betrays him And we know Data wondered about his existence and whether or not he was alone. What could be going through his positronic brain now? Sure, he wasn't alone any longer, but his brother was a megalomaniac. What's a a megalomaniac? 
yearning for power. Like he just wants complete oh. control, complete power. You know, anything, a, a, whatever it takes. Okay. If Data could feel, I'm sure it would be sadness and perhaps even more loneliness that he had family, but he doesn't really. Yeah. You know. And I know he's not supposed to have emotions, but I think he has something in regards to this. Maybe it's not called emotions, but it's something that affects him. You know why you say that? Because a human is playing him. So you can't, it's, if it was a robot playing him. No, but he was an actual robot android. He was deeply affected by that. Let me ask you a question. Have you seen the videos of that new prototype android that they keep like shoving around? They push him down and he picks up a box and they knock the box out of the, out of the robot's hand. I think, no, I saw a dog one. I didn't see one with the human. All right. Well, do do you feel bad for the dog one? Do you think the dog has feelings? He, about but it? that's so different. I don't know. I don't. I. I think Data always had a little something of a, something, all this time, even before the emotion chip. But that's the I point of the emotion I think he had something. I don't know Maybe. what it's called, but he had something more than just being a robot or an android. It's something. Robot. Now the, the story <laughs> though is that the Enterprise is his family. Right, and that leads us to the moral of this story: is that family does not necessarily mean blood. Right, it's true, or robotic oils in this case. So, what's your favorite quotes from the episode? Well, I like it when Wesley told off everyone on the bridge after they weren't listening to him, and he said that everything that I have said would have been listened to if it came from an adult officer. That is so true, and that happens. You know, that's always happened. It seems like, and it still happens. And it's just, listen to the children, okay? Listen to children. Sometimes they know things. But I like that Wesley had the guts to point that out, even after being told to shut up twice. Also, Picard should know better because he had that conversation with the Traveler, and he knows Wesley had special insight on things, but he still let his prejudice mislead him. You know, I'm starting to think that the adults on this ship are just really stupid. I mean, (laughs) seriously... I mean, lore. In some was, cases, yeah. I, it was pretty obvious that that wasn't data, from the twitch to the contraction to to how he, you know, when when Picard says "make it so" and he doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. I mean, you know, I'm, and then like last episode, Riker yelling at you know in a diplomatic sensitive situation. I'm just and screaming into the intercom. I mean, it's just I'm, they're, they're kind of dumb. These first few seasons. Well, and Wesley has a special insight when it comes to anything electronic, it seems like. He's got, like, a special sense. Well, he knew about... Remember the game? The the episode The Game? And he he didn't want to... It's like he knew. He has, like, a sixth, seventh sense or something with electronics. Maybe. I don't have any favorite quotes, but uh, I did notice the music in this episode. It starts off with the Enterprise theme, like the the orchestra theme kind of underlying what's happening on the bridge and then it gets it's just it's so sweeping and so epic uh when they walk into the lab nunian sung's lab and all of a sudden the music just swells and it's just so over the top for this laboratory (laughs) here give it a listen
Is that when they showed the buttocks? Because that's probably why. That was why. before the buttocks. Oh, okay, that okay. So that would need epic music, I think. So that brings us to our community question. What impact do you think lore had on Data from this point on? Does Data have any type of emotion? <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Well, that wraps it up for this week's on-screen review for Star Trek The Next Generation's Data Lore. Now, let's find out what Star Trek goodies we'd like to add to our collection by visiting Jake on the promenade. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jake Cobb, and this... is the promenade. Glad to see you made it through those March festivities safely. If you're anything like us, though, you're a little bummed that the celebrations are over. But fret not. Good things are on the horizon. STLV, Mission New York, Star Trek Beyond, the upcoming all-access series, and Star Trek merchandise. Glorious, wonderful Star Trek merchandise. So this month, we'll look at what's on the pre-release horizon and set a course for empty wallets. Engage. (laughs) I mean, let's get to it. I love the Constitution class refit. A lot. The curves, the lines, the design. It's beautiful from any angle. Straight perfection. I also like toys that fly, because flying toys. So imagine my excitement when Air Hogs manufacturer Spin Master announced the USS Enterprise A quadcopter drone. This little beastie looks amazing, and though some liberties were taken for the purpose of flight, none detract from the beauty of the source material. The sorcery is created using lightweight plastic interlaced to form a latticework structure. This allows airflow for the four rotors nestled inside. Despite the necessary design, all the important accoutrements are present, including ship name, registration, and a light-up bridge. The secondary hull, pylons, and a cell are constructed from the same material used in car bumpers, EPP foam in case you were curious, and sport light-up nacelles and a deflector dish. But that's not all. The controller has a built-in speaker that plays ten authentic sounds, some of which play based on how you're piloting. Reports vary, but the most recent, found on CanadianBusiness.com, states that you'll be Suluing your very own Enterprise A by July of this year, assuming you have $129.99 US. One item that has the Priority One team buzzing is... a chess set. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. This isn't just any chess set. This is the Franklin Mint Tridimensional Chess Set. Released by Wooden Expressions, the Tridimensional Chess Set is the previously released 25th anniversary Franklin Mint model. That 25th anniversary set is highly regarded among collectors, and current aftermarket prices substantiate this very much. According to the description on shop.startrek.com, the set's 32 game pieces are precision cast and coated with sterling silver or 24 karat gold. All three playing boards are present, and are accompanied by four attack boards, and a collectible booklet that contains the history of the game and rules of play, so you know how to use those aforementioned attack boards. The total height of this beauty is 14 inches tall, which is about half the size of the show's model and has been one prevailing complaint of the set's previous release. The set has a ship date of April 25th for, are you sitting down, $274.95 US. I know, I know, but if you've got the disposable income, it really is a beautiful piece. It can be pre-ordered from shop.startrek.com or franklinmint.com. Back in December, during the first installment of The Promenade, we discussed the Wan Company's TOS Type 2 Hand Phaser Remote. At the time, I'll admit I couldn't have imagined a neater item. I mean, a TOS hand phaser that changes the channel on your TV. But the Wan Company has proven me so very wrong and it feels so very right. 
behold, the Star Trek TOS Bluetooth-enabled prop replica communicator. If you've ever wanted to have an actual conversation with someone whilst using the undisputed coolest communication device in all of history, want no more. Much like the phaser, the communicator arrives in a neat away team carry case, along with a charging display base and a leatherette pouch. Also like its phaser brethren, it's designed using 3D scans of one of the last remaining communicator hero props, and constructed of CNC machined aluminum, nickel-plated die-cast zinc, steel, rubber, and plastic. But what exactly does it do? Well, besides its rotating wire pattern and authentic voice and sound clips, it can pair with any Bluetooth-enabled device. Listen to music, make a phone call, or best yet, answer a phone call with the sweet, sweet flip of your wrist. The listed release date varies, with the latest shipping date listed as May 27th, so most likely no later than that. Both shop.startrek.com and thinkgeek.com have a list price of $149.99 US. So, there you have it. Something to save your money for. Links to the items discussed can be found in the show notes, so please be sure to check them out. Have any comments about the segment or anything discussed herein? We'd love to hear them. Seriously, we would. So let us know what you think on Twitter, Facebook, or in the comment section. Remember, you keep an eye on the stars, we'll keep an eye on the market. Until next time. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. So last week's community questions were... Have you already purchased a CBS All Access even though the new Star Trek series is only in development? And from Star Trek Online, did we miss any tidbits in the season 11.5 trailer? And what's your prediction for what's coming on the 5th of May? And also from our Al interview, what would you do to improve the PVEQ system in STO? For our first community question about CBS All Access, David S. March commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com. I tried All Access when it first came out, and I canceled my free trial within five minutes of signing up. From a technical perspective, the app was horrible. Add the fact that this is a subscription service with commercials, and I'm not optimistic about its potential. Wow! I didn't know that, first of all, uh, I haven't tried the app, and that's sad to hear that the app is horrible and underdeveloped. There's really no reason nowadays that an app from a company like CBS should be anything but stellar and intuitive. And second of all, it's a subscription service with commercials. So Hulu, I hate Hulu for that reason. I don't, I don't, I don't want to pay for for to to have commercials. Yeah, we have a couple of uh, of sort of on demand services here that are similar to that. So like five on demand ITV player. So like that's where I watch Downton Abbey. They are free apps with commercials. Now, I don't mind the commercials on a free app. I would right. really totally resent paying money to then have to watch commercials. It's like, pick one. This is the thing. This is my concern about CBS All Access, is that other people have done it, and they've done it better. You know, it's not... Amazon does it better. Netflix obviously does it better. Other companies are doing it, and they do it better. And this is why people are always very... I, like, I don't know very many people that own Hulu, that subscribe to Hulu, because of the commercials. Now, I know that there's a subscription package where you can pay more and there are no commercials, but I tried Hulu, and it was really annoying. Even though the commercials are fewer and far between than on regular television, you're still paying a monthly subscription fee. Why Why? Why are the commercials? Why? Why? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get that. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here. We still have... 
the better part of a year before the new Star Trek series launches on CBS All Access. And in the tech world, that's a very long time for an app. So I think it's fair to say we can't necessarily consider that this will be the final version. However, it is a little worrisome that that model is already in place. For our second question regarding the Season 11.5 trailer, Ravra commented on our website. The TOS Enterprise at the end of the trailer is orbiting Earth. You can clearly see the outline of Europe and North Africa. Lastly, and for me this is a big one, the 5-5-16 date at the end is in TOS Command Gold. Tyler Maxwell wrote... As far as 5516 goes, my best bet is a featured episode where more time travel is certainly involved. We go and save the US Enterprise, no bloody A, B, C, or D, from destruction from certain temporal enemies. And maybe there's a voiceover from someone who's been in one of the Trek series. Shatner, VO, Tier 6 Connie's new expansion announcements. All would be awesome, but those seem like wildly wishful thinking. You never know. You never know. With regard to the queues in Star Trek Online, Lance and Dragon commented, My suggestion has always been the option of a random space or ground queue. The first random queue you do, you get a big box of choice marks, crafting mats, and maybe fleet or reputation dilithium vouchers. After that, you get a mid-sized bonus box. That's an interesting idea. So, I love how the forums exploded with that conversation about what to do with the queues after the hour of our interview. I think that the general consensus there is don't take away the cues, uh, enhance the cues that are existing, or entice players to play the cues more often, either with a wrapper like the Foundry wrapper, or with like we were talking about a cycle of scheduled events that these cues grant a larger bonus for something or other. But it, it seems that that removing the cues is not is not something that the community is. Uh, is excited about. Yeah, I, I, I think that would be a very bad move because let's say, for example, if I want to get the full Iconian set and they only have one queue in there that has Iconian marks, and I'm just using that as a, an extreme example, I have to wait 30 minutes before I can play it again. And it makes grinding out one particular type of marks really, really hard when you don't have a choice of queues that you can do. The problem is that the queues are not firing anymore. People aren't playing them. And I think there's a little bit of a trend that we can see here as well. A lot of them is um, these new time-gated queues. I think that is a big problem with it as well. Because if you get in a, a queue with a really, really good team, you can you know, blast through the content and the next thing you're sitting there and you're waiting for a timer to finish. And they, those are the cues that people just don't go next or near. They played them a couple of times. You're talking about the ones that you have to like wait 30 minutes to play again. No, I'm no, not no, about. No, you're talking about uh, what's the one that I always hated it was Gateway to Grethor because there's like a 10 minute one of the sections is like 10 minutes long, and it doesn't matter how many things you kill, it's still it will 10 always minutes. be. Yeah, and it will always be 10 minutes. Yeah, uh... so if you're trying to grind Iconian marks. You can guarantee you're going to be in that queue for at least 15 minutes. It doesn't matter how good you are. You are guaranteed to be in there for that minimum amount of time. You could just sit there and die over and over again and just wait for the timer to tick down. Probably won't get as many good rewards, but still. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So that's oh, that's one of the big problems. Yeah, but you know what else, too, is that I think that... So that and perhaps even the, the time gate 
that is in place between cues, between the replays. Perhaps for the lesser cues, that timer is dropped down. So from like 30 minutes, a 30 minute wait time cool down to 15 minutes or something like that. Uh, for these lesser, for the lesser played cues, that might help. Although I, you know, I don't, I don't know why that would make a difference. The time gate between the replay, when push comes to shove, nobody's playing the cue because either they don't need it anymore, or the rewards aren't beneficial to them. But you have a good point there about you know having to wait 15 minutes no matter what. Yeah, well, that's it's just not fun. You know, that is not fun that you're stuck in there for X amount of time. You don't mind it the first time. It's when you're grinding. You really just, you want to do it, you want to learn it so you're good at it, you get it done, and then you get out. When when you're in the grinding mode, the, you, you just, you don't, you don't want to play the same content over and over and over again, especially if it's long. So, you know, if, if there's a way to get those marks with a variety of things, then that'd be easier, but there there isn't. Right, and grinding's going to happen no matter what in any MMO. So it's really cryptic's responsibility to find a way to make grinding as less obvious or what's the word i want to look for like i want to i want to do it mindlessly right i want or not mindlessly but i want to have fun while i do it or just mindlessly where i can just kind of continue to do it and not and not want to rip you know my hair out after you know three hours of trying to grind for something so i think enhancing those older cues will in some way, you know, and again, I lost my trail of thought. Yeah, but the thing is, the thing is, I don't want to spend my whole end game grinding. There's a lot of things that I want to do, even on my main tune, who's level 60, and I've got almost all the reputations maxed out. You know, I still grind for certain things, whether I'm trying to get some marks for some extra dilithium or whatever, but that takes away from my enjoyment of replaying story missions or, you know, just doing a bit of exploring. And I don't, the thing is, I feel like I need to do that because I need to get my gear. I need to feel like I keep, I'm keeping earning things. And, but I log in for, you know, a couple of hours. I could spend the whole time grinding through queues. It, it makes my enjoyment of the game less. I think probably one of the best ideas is something that Al actually mentioned last year. And that would be pick a certain number of queues and say, right, for these queues, on this day or this group of days, it's triple marks. All the other cues are still there, but for these special ones... You mean cues day? Yes, cues day. You know, for Tuesday or for uh, weekdays or weekends or whatever, it's triple marks for these eight different cues and rotate them around. I think that is probably the best solution that they could possibly do. Definitely not cutting them and putting all the cues on rotation. I think that was a really, really bad idea. I think the only way they can do this is boosting the rewards like that uh, to something like triple marks, and they need to get new blood into the game as well. I think that is a big, big part. For me, it's not about the rewards, it's about the time. They just, it needs to be quick. If something gave me some rewards, I would still feel like I was accomplishing something. So, but if I could do it quick, if I could run through a series of cues quickly and then get on to my story content, that's what I want to do. But that's because my playtime is, you know, restricted in time. I'm time poor. So it doesn't matter. Like, Gateway to Grethor, I never play. 
it doesn't matter how much they reward it. Like, the rewards would have to be very, very high. Because I would have to give up my other content. I would literally have to give up playing a story mission for a day if I wanted to play Gateway to Grethor. Uh, it just... It, I'm not going to do that. It's the time rather than uh, the rewards for me. So, for example, if Gateway to Grethor was on, you know, a Tuesday and it was given triple marks, it, you still wouldn't play it because of the built-in time gate that's in the actual mission because yeah, it's taken Yeah, I probably wouldn't bother. Game. I probably... I, I would be like, you know what? I don't want to spend my Tuesday doing that thing. I mean, I know the marks are great, but... I'm not in a huge hurry to earn the marks. I like to feel like I'm progressing a, a little bit, but I don't. I'm not. I'm not saving up for anything at the moment. So no, I don't care. Well, so now we're now we're talking about two two separate things about the cues. We're talking about cues being the the flaw in cues themselves having mission objectives that are timed, and also the also the problem that. We have where old cues are not being. Yeah, well, I played. think they're part of the same problem. So some of the older cues, I think, part of the reason they're not getting played is because everyone is playing Infected Space because Infected Space you can do in five minutes, and it's got decent rewards. Five minutes, bam, you're done. Everyone knows how to play it. Generally speaking, even a pug will just eat a pug is a pickup group. They everyone knows how to play it because everyone plays it. So. It's it's quick, bam, done. Move on to something else. It's the the other ones. And I I remember in a in an interview we did last year, he said, you know, it doesn't matter what the level of difficulty is of a queue. The average player time is nine minutes, and the pl the players that can play it at elite in nine minutes will play elite, P and the people that can't, they'll play advanced or they'll play normal. But they all take the same amount of time, and that to me really resonated because that's how I feel about a queue. If, even if a queue is easy and it gives good marks, if it takes half an hour to play, it's like, ugh, yawn. You know, I recently read an IFL science article that kind of talks much any... about timing and... <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, this is a nice sort of natural segue point to our next comment from Josh Truax on Facebook. It says, make sole version of these missions to be offered if the queue doesn't fill up, say, within five minutes. The idea is to lure players back who still like these missions, but have given up on them because their queues no longer pop with a reasonable amount of time. Then, the more people revisit the queues, the more likely they'll pop after that. I like this idea a lot. Because, uh, well, I've said before, I tend to play actually on my own. Most of my queues I play with, with pugs because I just like to not really know who I'm playing with. <laughs> uh, I would love it if these cues, if there was a mode that I could play it with one person. I would love it. Don't know how feasible that is, though. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just thinking about as well. And here's the other thing as well for the, you know, the, the elite players as well. They're looking for a challenge, and there's an awful lot of cues that we don't have elite versions of yet. We don't have an elite version of Crystalline NC. We don't have an elite version of ISA. There's a lot of cues there that they still don't have elite versions of. And as it stands right now, there are 83 queues in the list. 83. And that's not even with a full list uh, of normal events and elite for each type. The answer is not to make more elite events. I think we can agree on that. Giving more levels of difficulty isn't going to help the problem. No, it's, it's, it's not. But there is a lack of elite content there for people who want it. Yeah, the option should be there for those who want it and who are at the level for it. 
then it sounds like you're kind of just, I don't want to say dumbing down the game, but I can't find the lack of a better term. I'm keeping silent on this issue because I don't think I'd ever play an elite queue anyway. But that's just me and that's my playstyle. I think maybe it's just the audience isn't there for doing that. Uh, but offering more elite queues certainly would not do anything to help the the issue at hand, which is that the the lower played queues never pop. And I would like them to try and it, it would be nice if we could find a way to play those missions solo. Like you can play story missions solo. My final thought on this would be uh, I would like to see them moving away from this time built-in time gate. I would like them to move away from that. That might make certain queues a lot more enticing for players because um, I tell you when there's a built-in time gate that does not equal fun for me. I don't like it. Not one bit. And Ken, I'm guessing you're the same as well. I would like to see more content coming out that does not have a time gate because I think that is really, really bad. And I think the next thing then that the game needs is more players. We need new blood in the game. Simple as that. Well, on to something completely different. Uh, As a special bonus in response to our community question from our April Fool's episode, which is your favorite My Little Pony, Neon Phase wrote in on our website, If I had to pick a pony, it would be Cheese Sandwich from Season 4, Episode 12. Modeled and voiced by none other than Weird Al Yankovic. He even has one of his great polka mashups played on his accordion. And can I just say, there is a pony called Cheese Sandwich. And I looked this up. It's cutie mark is a cheese sandwich. And it's the best. It's the best thing ever. Oh, my. I never, I, I, as, as well played as last week's episode was, I, that first, that episode was the only episode of My Little Pony that I ever watched. <laughs> you are missing out. My Little Pony is I fantastic. I not a brony. So clever and weird, but fun. And moving on, David S at David SZY replied to at Priority One Pod, whichever one is properly prepared for dinner. Which I believe is actually outlawed in the UK now, so yeah, no no eating ponies. There was a big scandal a couple years ago, or maybe it was about a year ago, where um, traces of horse meat were found in uh, ready meal lasagna. It was a big scandal. No, so, that's right, scandal. I remember that. Yeah. Well, Captains, you know we love hearing from you, so leave us a voicemail by clicking on the SpeakPipe widget on our homepage. It's free, and... That's in addition to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or our Twitter page at Priority One Pod. And of course, you can always leave a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com. One is always the word spelled out, not yeah. the number. And all of those things are free. And they're all, all free. free. Well, that wraps up episode 265 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community questions. What's your favorite quote from Galaxy Quest? Will you be making use of the new ship visual slots in Star Trek Online, and what will you be using? And what impact do you think lore had on Data after the TNG episode Data Lore? Captains, you know we love hearing from you, so leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us via at PriorityOnePod. You can even leave us a voicemail for free on SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget on our homepage. 
Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. And if you're listening to us via iTunes, please leave us a review. More importantly, help spread the word about the show. Invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. And finally, if you have some time to spare, please don't forget about our listener survey. Just one week left. Visit PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash survey 2016. We appreciate your time. And if we haven't already been asking you for a bajillion things, the podcast award nominations are coming up April 15th. So we're going to be blasting reminders on social media. So don't forget, you've nominated us for the last two years in best produced and best gaming podcasts. So hopefully we can uh, bring one home this year. We have to at least beat Priority One Productions' other sister show, Guard Frequency. You can catch them at GuardFrequency.com, covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many, many more. If you like this show, then voting for and listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. And if you enjoy our comics, the creator of our comic series, Jonathan Towery, can be commissioned at JohnTowery.com. Thanks to all our bloggers and their managing editor, L. To the writer of our skits, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman. And to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media for supporting this show. Thanks to our entire audio team led by Michael McDonald. With assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Asmaria De Post, and Gavin Lewarn. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, and our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Elijah, what do we have in store this week? I'm gonna go find friends. <laughs> I would so hug you right now if I if my arms were long enough. This week we're tracking out a new product. Okay. <clears throat> oh yeah, great makeup herpes. Mm. Sad- <laughs> I've never heard that, <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true. Jeez. Or, or craft herpes. Eighty-five <laughs> percent of adult women will get it at some point in their lifetime. <clears throat> Sadly, it looks like wait, is, that the, is that a real wait? I, I'm confused. <laughs> it's just <laughs> is that is that about the real herpes or is that about the crafts about glitter? I have no idea what you were talking about or which you were talking about. 
just I don't. It's well, it is. You've probably, dug a hole for yourself. The real pretty, one, isn't it's it? pretty that, that... pretty accurate for the real RPs as well. <laughs> anyway, um, but the, <laughs> this is going down a really weird track that I don't want to go down. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, you know, we probably need to raise awareness. It's a very serious issue. <clears throat> <laughs> Sadly, it looks like the debut of this collection is a long way off still. The what? What? Is that how you guys say it? The debut? Yeah. Really? De- I can't keep up. The thing is, okay, always remember that I could be getting it completely wrong because sometimes things are pronounced differently and then I go to pronounce them differently and then I second guess myself and think and then I say say it was just all wrong so <laughs> and then you just make it up <laughs> I do that's what cookie it's does because you could be like species or species instead she says species <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fe- February always screws me up because it's is it Fe- Febru- February Fe- February February I it's get I get it I get I get it wrong every time basically anyway so I mean we say debut I don't know what, if you guys say debut. De- de- debut. You said. Debu- debut. Yeah. I've never heard it. Well, okay. I trust you. <laughs> I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, also, Boy. I grew up all over the States. And so it's, things are weird anyway. But, like, don't even get me started on, uh, like, apricot? Apricot? Apricot, you. Pe- pecan? Pecan? Pe- pecan? pecan? I don't know. It's, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Right. Anyway. <clears throat> <clears throat> I was not all flemmy. And coming with season eleven point five will be the. I don't know what I was going to say there, but it's going what? to be that really doesn't make any sense. That's just like words. Yeah. Pineapple. Pineapple. <laughs> she lives in a pineapple under the sea. I don't know who. A cucumber. <laughs> oh sweet <laughs> Jesus! Cut out my wine. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Okay. Uh, breathe. Incoming with season again. <laughs> Every blinking week. Lives in a cucumber <laughs> under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> nobody understands. Nobody understands. Yeah. It's bad. Bad radio. Bad, bad radio. Oh God. <laughs> oh, help me, dear God. <laughs> Why not? Can you just like mute Kenna for a bit? <sighs> Let's see. I might be able to. Don't. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Good. Okay. Incoming with yeah. season 11.5. No, they're just taking over again. I'm just trying to move things along because Winters isn't doing his job. <laughs> okay. Well, that wraps it up for this week's on screen review of Data Lore. Now. It's Data Lore. Damn it. <laughs> oh my god, his name is Data. Remember when that uh, imposter uh, Data, doctor I know, I know. from the second <laughs> season called him Data and he's just like, one imposter is my doctor. name, one is not. Pulaski. And that is not his name. <laughs> well, that wraps it up for this week's on-screen review for Star Trek The Next Generation's Data Lore. Oh my now, god, he said it wrong Data. again. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it's it. Data, his name is Data. <laughs> it's not Data. And what impact do you think lore had on data after the TNG app data lore? App. What? Episode. Yeah. Okay. Fine. I'll read it out. <laughs> I don't know. I always call it an app. App. What? What? What are we like? We, we like we're hipping with it. Yo, you watch that latest app? I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you. 
Should I do the next one? We have to at least beat out Priority One Productions' other show, Guard Frequency, at Guard Frequency. Oh man! Thanks to our. It was a pretty good segue, if I do say so myself. That was pretty. That was that was creative. It was good. It was solid. <laughs> And if you enjoy our comics, the creator of our comic series, Jonathan Towery, can be commissioned at johntowery.com. That was, you read that a little. <clears throat> I did, didn't I? Which, where should I start from? Just for the whole thing. Um, and if you enjoy our comic. But most importantly, a big thanks to you. The Star Trek Online... Ooh. That's what happens when I look away. I looked away <laughs> and I went on autopilot. Wow. Not even pineapple1podcast.com. It's free. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. And that's pineapple the word, not. Well, captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Now, before we get into it, we had an awesome voicemail from our longtime devoted listener, Chris Keene. So have a listen. Hi, this is Chris Keene. And I've just finished listening to episode 264. And I'm just wondering, is somebody taking the out of me? Because I can't find any blogs anywhere that suggest your claims in Stone News. I have been trowling Facebook, Twitter and your own website. And I can't find a thing that supports anything that you'll be able to pilot your ship from your bridge. And I know. Oh, I know. Because I've spent the last hour trying to find it. So was this an April Fool's episode by any chance? Because, honestly, the last community question just went over my head. I mean, I I would love to repeat what the question was, but it was just like, what? So was it an April Fool's episode? Because if it was, it wasn't very funny. And I know it wasn't funny because I've just spent, as I say, quite a long time looking through Twitter and looking through Facebook and your website, and I couldn't find a thing to back up your claims in Stowe News. But anyway... Lovely show as always. Really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I'm going to go now. Well, thanks, Chris, for that. <laughs> well, thanks you know, for that. <laughs> Chris Keene is epic. He's hilarious. I I mean, if, you know, for those of you, I, I, I'm sorry for your eardrums, but it's, it's, it's always a nice little treat to get a voicemail from Chris Keene because he's just so... He's the best. I can't wait to meet him in Star Trek Las Vegas. Yeah, I, uh, I, I tweeted him <laughs> during the week uh, in reference to that voicemail. It was just so freaking awesome. Uh, and don't forget, if any of you who are listening, you can also leave us a voicemail. Uh, just click on the speak pipe widget on our homepage. 